him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We praise and thank on this glory forever. Amen. We meditate on our gospel lesson recorded in John chapter 5, verses 25 to 29. We've read these words already and refer to every verse in our sermon. We begin with a prayer. Lord, thank you for breathing into us the breath of life. Not only physically, but spiritually, one day we look forward to the eternal life that you have also promised us. Grant us steadfast faith so that we can continue in our walk with you and be your messengers, proclaiming your voice for all to hear, the voice of your forgiveness and your love. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh. Zombies. You familiar with what those are? I don't know if, if you could remember the last time you heard about zombies in a sermon. But over the course of the last decade or so, it seems that the whole idea of Zombies and those kinds of movies involving zombies have become more and more popular. I know back in the 60s there was one called Night of the Living Dead. But the whole idea behind zombies is kind of like science fiction drama. The whole idea is well, what, what would happen if there was a disease, or some kind of a virus, that infected people and killed them, but then those people who died came back to life and started walking around. It led to a, a series and TV and movies of somewhat, I guess I could say, terrifying incidents, terrifying examples of what might happen. The reanimated corpses that are used in these movies and TV series, they have no emotional abilities, no rational thought, but they have only one instinct. You know what that is? Brains. <laughs> to feed it is to eat and to fill their own appetites. While fascinating to some, to others the whole idea is just plain creepy. Have you ever heard of The Walking Dead? There's a TV series on, that's very popular right now. It's a science fiction drama. People band together to survive a zombie apocalypse, and they're fighting off the walking dead. Let me ask you again. Have you ever seen The Walking Dead? I think you have. Not on TV, though, but in real life. And before you say, yeah, right. I don't believe in that stuff. You realize that Jesus mentions them in our text for today. He even calls out to them. These are what, this is what Jesus says. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. One day Jesus says, he, the dead will hear his voice. And those who hear, they will live. 
Normally, we would understand Jesus to be referring to the last day, the judgment day, when he will call out and raise all the dead. But don't miss those few words that he says. The time has now come. In other words, the time is already here. When the dead hear his voice and come to life. Granted, you're not going to find the word zombie here or in any other part of the scriptures. But what Jesus says here indicates that the walking dead are all around. By that we're talking about the spiritually dead, right? Dead and unbelieving. Unable to raise themselves up to Jesus or to draw themselves any closer to God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, You were dead in your transgressions and sins. He's talking about us also. At one time, we were dead. Spiritual corpses, you might say. Outside of TV and movies, can a dead person get up and walk? Can they choose to believe in Jesus on their own? To open their eyes of unbelief and to start breathing again? Can they make that conscious decision to come to spiritual life? If you're following what the scripture says about people being spiritual corpses by nature, you have to answer no. That's not possible. Earlier, if you recall, we spoke the words of the third article followed by the explanation of the third article. We confess in that explanation, I believe that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. You know why not? Spiritual corpses, by nature, spiritually dead, were walking dead, like a zombie. Our one instinct is to feed ourselves, to satisfy our own selfish appetites. The Bible doesn't say people are born morally neutral, neither good nor bad. Rather, it characterizes people as hostile to God, enemies of God. Paul says there is no one who does good, not even one, not even me. Not even any of us, or any human being. By nature, we turn against God. Even spiritual leaders do this. Like the ones Jesus is talking to in our text. They are offended by what Jesus says. By what Jesus does. I said before that Jesus healed this man at the pool of Bethesda, which seemed like a very charitable, kind, and gracious act. Giving somebody the ability to walk again, but in the eyes of these religious leaders, that was a sin. You know why? Because he did that on a Sabbath, when no work is permitted. Jesus broke the law. In their eyes, that was a sin. They're offended. But Jesus says he has received the authority to do this because all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. How do you think they would react then if Jesus said, you guys are all spiritually dead, but I have come here to give you life. I doubt the reaction was, thank you. We appreciate that, Jesus. They said they're offended, that Jesus would even suggest that. That their hard work and their obedience 
doesn't get them any closer to God. Yet their obedience and their outward acts of faithfulness to God weren't signs or proof enough of their spiritual life and vigor. Without faith in Jesus, though, there is no life. We are all dead in sin and unbelief. Spiritual zombies. Yet, it is by grace you have been saved. You know this passage? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It's probably not shocking or surprising to anyone. I'm sure you're not offended by that passage. You've heard it, you've spoken it before. Maybe you've even memorized it, recited it many years ago. But how would you feel if I said, you know, all the good things you've done in your life, all the patience and love that you've shown to others, all the times that you have answered gently to someone who spoke to you harshly, all your good thoughts, your words, and your deeds, they're not good enough. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to get God to love you anymore. The law tells us that our works, our deeds, are imperfect. They're painful. The gospel then says that Jesus has already done everything for us already, so the logical conclusion that a part of me thinks is, why bother? Why bother to do anything called good works? Jesus reminds us, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but his cross over from death to life. He's talking about resurrection, spiritual resurrection, one that he, the Son of God, commands, one that he, the Son of God, has the authority to bring about. Jesus says this happens through his word. Through his word, through the law, we become conscious of our own sin. And through his word, through the gospel, God shows us his grace and a gift and a gift of our Savior. The Holy Spirit calls out with the voice of Jesus to proclaim God's love and his forgiveness. Through faith, you are saved. It's the gift of God. Not by words. Not by our thinking or choosing. The spiritual zombies by nature. The fellow believers, the time has come. The Son of God calls the dead. And through faith, we receive life. We respond with our Christian life. For the record, I don't think there's obvious. Not anymore. And maybe that just sounds like a silly thing to say. But how about this question? Are you sure you're not spiritual zombies? Maybe that sounds like an even sillier question. But I think it's an important one for us to think about. Because how you answer that question, are you really spiritually alive? That's going to affect the way that you live. Do you live with confidence and certainty in the face of trouble 
tragedy, frustration, and disappointment, or even death? Or do you get uncomfortable at just the thought of those things ever happening in your life? Because if you do get uncomfortable, I think that might betray this deep-seated fear and uncertainty. There's need for clarification. The ultimate question is that every human being asks themselves at one point or another, what's going to happen to me when I die? Am I going to go to heaven or that other place? Are you sure? Jesus says the time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come up. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. You know, I can hardly imagine what it's going to be like on that last day. Everyone who has ever died, and that's a lot of people. Right now we've got six billion plus people in our world. But all the people who have ever lived and died, right there on judgment. And wherever their remains have ended up, the Lord Jesus says he will call them all back, reconstitute their bodies for the purpose of standing before him to be judged. The Apostle Paul says it this way, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul is talking about believers rising first, but the scripture tells us that Jesus will raise up all the dead. Everyone will stand before him. And that's because he says in our text, the Father has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And he will judge all people based on the good or the evil they have done. Wait, what? based on the good or evil you've done, doesn't the Bible say that we're saved by grace and through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast? Yet Jesus says, those who have done good will go to heaven. Those who have done evil will go to hell. Based on our works, the only thing that you can be certain of, that I can be certain of, is that we deserve to be condemned. And what can be done to meet the requirements of this judge? In the next chapter, that's chapter 6 of John, people ask Jesus a similar question. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. They chase after because they want more bread. And they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Two things. Faith in the one he sent. Faith in Jesus is what saves. Two, this faith is the work of God. The work of God is this, to believe. God is the one who accomplishes this incredible feat. 
the one who opens the eyes of the blind and who gives life to the spiritually dead. And then in faith, we are able to cling to that perfect life and death of Jesus. We can trust His holy sacrifice for our sins. Every last one of your sins. And then through faith, we receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. Our works don't meet the requirements, but you know who is due. Jesus works due. Not only is Jesus the judge, he is the Lord, he is the life giver. As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus gives spiritual life, not only to believe and have faith, but also to produce the fruit of faith. Those good works that flow from faith. Without faith, Scripture tells us, no one can do anything that is good in God's eyes, only evil. And on the last day, the judge will see those evil works, and he will call them to rise, to be condemned. With faith, however, even our imperfect works that God sees, he sees them as beautiful and pleasing to him, all because of Jesus. On the last day, the judge will call you to rise and to receive judgment. And should he ask, why should I let you into heaven? With peace and confidence, you can say, because Jesus is my Savior. He paid for all my sins. Which is why we rejoice today in God's grace. We rejoice as we remember all those who have fought the good fight and who died with that saving faith. We continue this fight as we go through the zombie apocalypse caused by the disease of sin. You realize our whole world is filled with walking dead. Those who do not know their Savior yet. By grace and through faith, God has raised you to life. And he gives you the strength to keep battling the devil, the world, your own sinful flesh. He gives courage and love to you so that you can echo the voice of the Savior who calls the dead and raises them to life through the gospel. And he gives you confidence to look forward to that day when he will raise us from the sleep of death and he will pronounce our final triumph. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Amen. Please.